this week was excellent as we're preparing for the Super Bowl of Caring, but one of the things that stuck with me, I don't know how many of you uh, received the inspiration point email that we send out um, to try to remind us of our call to action in faith. This week, uh, Pastor Lorne had a really good one, and he asked the question that I have thought about a lot this week, because it was a question that was at our um, vision task force meeting. We're talking about the future of Good Shepherd, who we're going to be. In this new age, what is Good Shepherd about? How are we going to best serve our unique talents to bless the world? And he asks this question to all of us. Has there ever been a time in your life where your life turned? Where you had to reconsider your life? Where you had to rethink how things were? I was just thinking all the moments in our lives where our lives are changed and we have to rethink. And I thought about my own life and went, man... There's a bunch of things I think could qualify uh, a new understanding, a new interpretation of life as things change. I had to think about my life, and I thought about um, initially that earthquake in Haiti in 2010. That was a big life-changing moment for me as I felt the world move. And I got this fire lit in my belly for how we could tell this story that God is not just a God of death. Our God is the God of resurrection, new life. Then I thought about my marriage, how that changed my life. I th- yes. Yeah, prayers for Emily. No, exactly. It changed my life. And then the moves, the countless moves we've made. From uh, I was born and raised in Florida, so was my wife. We moved to Ohio to Columbus. I met some scoundrel named Pastor Lorne. Um, uh, then I moved to uh, Texas as well. That was a change, a hot, a warm change. Um, And then I moved to North Dakota. That was a cold change. Um, Spent some time there and then moved to Cincinnati. And each time I moved, I would see these new expressions of faith. And I'd have to reimagine, what was my life about? What was I passionate about? But the moment that perhaps stuck out to me, in addition to having children, welcoming my children into my life, uh, folks, that'll change a lot of things. How you sleep, um, your width, um, It's a lot of things. But I thought about this moment, maybe it's because it's so close, um, just a year or so ago, um, the the health change, dramatic health change I experienced where my vision was askewed, my balance was messed up, my dexterity was messed up, my speech was different. I was told by doctors, for anyone wondering, it wasn't a stroke, it also wasn't MS. They're currently in this nebulous situation of, it was something. Well, that doesn't help. But I'm feeling better, but I do have moments. Even yesterday, it was funny, when we had our Welcome to Worship workshop, I found I'm not the same person. I was walking, I looked over my left, and I started drifting to the left, like way more than usual. I'm coming to the conclusion that I'm maybe never going to be the same. I'm being more honest with myself about limitations. Did you know, even with this incredible bald spot, I did have to be reminded, I'm not 20 anymore. There's something happening. And I was thinking about how that change is truly inevitable. That's part of this. Change is part of the story. I recognize I'm not the same person. And maybe it's something I could think about is, despite tendencies that may stay the same, mistakes I routinely make, every day I am a new creation. You too. You've probably recognized this. Every day you are a new creation. 
Time marches on. Time is inevitable. That's at the heart of this last topic we're coming to here in this dive into the early church. The identity of the early church is that it changed. But very specifically, the way it changed, in the entire book of Acts, we read the early church changed in growing. It grew. Growing is a kind of change. More people came to hear this story. More traditions came to the story. More ethnicities came to this story. And inevitably, the church changed. I always say, the, the church has as many traditions as there are rear ends in the seats. Right? We all bring something to this story. Heck, we're living as a reflection of this Lutheran church in Kenwood, Ohio. I learned about Cincinnati, Ohio. My wife did too. You guys know that expression, uh, please? Please? I'd never heard that before. Neither did my wife. That's why she's like, uh, please get me this paint? And they're like, oh, no, I, I, I'm sorry. That's a German thing, right? That's what I was told. It's that uh, German word, bitte, bitte, please. That's where this came from. And I'm like, well, look at the heritage, the beautiful provision that God has provided in this heritage. I've seen it all over in North Dakota. Scandemonium. There's a lot of Scandinavians. And they've got lots of cultural Lutheran observations that are gifts. Our new members courses we have here, people talk about something. They're like, something about this place, there's like a warmth here. A lot of times they're talking about those things, about these traditions, about these sort of provisions from God that make us who we are. And we talked about those gifts in our vision task force meeting. We talked about those provisions of God. And they said, some of these gifts are probably the top four reasons people are a part of any faith tradition. The four things are place, building, people, programs, and personality. Those are the four things that people generally say, the sort of vibe of this place. And maybe you love Good Shepherd because this place carries with it so many memories. Maybe you've been here from the very beginning. Dick Setter, I'm looking at you, right? You have memories of this place. Maybe it's the relationships you formed. Maybe it's the programs and the relationships you formed within them. Maybe it's the music ministry, the preschool you have connections with. Or maybe it's the personality. Maybe it's a specific leader that you were like, man, that person, I've just ensnared by this. But today's text... And honestly, all of our texts that we've covered in this series of Acts explains that the early church didn't grow because of any of those things. The early church wasn't defined by its people or place, personality or programs. In this text, there wasn't a big building that was like, wow, the early church is awesome. There wasn't great people in the church that learned individuals are like, this Poor person is really wise. This prostitute is exactly who I want to hang around with. But that's what the early church was. It wasn't about great sermons or lessons. It wasn't even about their fabulous communal meals. Lutherans should know. Potlucks are good. But what defined them, what made them grow, was a message, a story that affected them to their very core. It lit a fire that not just burned in their belly, but consumed them. 
consumed them to give all they had so they could follow this story more closely, learn more, grow in this understanding. See, in this series, you'll notice the key identifiers of the early church have nothing to do with those four main things that maybe we spend all of our time focusing on. Place is an important thing. Programs are an important thing. But that's not the point. It was a message. It was the work of carrying that message. Our work is the same as the disciples, which is to witness what we have seen. Our story today, Paul is a witness, and he goes far off to Athenians, to the Areopagus, to say this message that has lit a fire in him. He is generous, as we've talked about. Generous in spirit, knowing that the people of Athens, they're not from the Judaic faith. They're not from the tradition he's from, but he very generously recognizes they have something. Something in their very bones that knows this to be true. These are people of God. Creations of God. They need to hear this story. You have built statues to an unknown God. I'd argue this God is known, very well known, and I can tell you all about him. He continues that Jesus is the way, the truth. People who heard it were endeared by it. Some weren't. Some were like, meh, it's okay. Some said, we will hear more about this. Because they were ensnared by that understanding. The church grew because uh, it was a witness to the truth that God has a plan. And that plan, we point out, continue, is not just about a church, about a building. It's a plan that's bigger than we could possibly imagine. I ask, do we realize the message we carry? The message we carry is bigger than Good Shepherd Lutheran Church on Kenwood. It's bigger than growing even a Lutheran expression. It's bigger than our tradition or social location based on race, ethnicity, nationality. This message is the matter of greatest importance. Mark Allen Powell, who is a uh, Matthew scholar, said, The early church, in all of its pontifications of what the church is, what the church should be, the church is no more and no less than what the disciples were on Easter. What does that mean? It means they're witnesses to the resurrection. That's what they are. That's what the church is, a witness to the resurrection. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say something, and I want you to really let this marinate. Are you ready? Here it comes. Death has been defeated. Yes, I'll say it again. Death has been defeated. That's good news. God's amazing grace and love has defeated even death. His persistence and promise has defeated that. I would ask the question, who needs to know this? Everyone. Everyone needs to know this. Who needs to hear the word that God is not only good, but God needs to change all of existence through this promise? There's a great story. Um, You know, Billy Graham is, right? Now, I can, look, I could disagree with some of his theology, especially around salvation. But I will say, a lot of you nodded when I said, you know who Billy Graham is? That's a pretty big deal evangelist. He's affected so many people with this story. And he has a comment about specifically Lutherans. (laughs) Y'all are like, "Uh uh-oh. No, 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 no. He said, if you look at all these faith traditions, it's the Lutherans the Lutherans and their interpretation, their understanding of grace, God's 
love that is so world-changing, their tradition of understanding God's identity revealed in grace, the Lutherans are a sleeping giant. I'm happy and sad because we're asleep. Y'all, if we wake up, If we wake up, we have a story that is beyond compelling. I look forward to a reality where our conversations in the larger Lutheran church isn't about numerical growth, which is legitimate and a legit point of concern. But if I'm being honest, our greatest anxiety shouldn't be about quantity of people, but about if we as a people are proclaiming this God of grace in our ways, our words, in our works. That should be our anxiety. How are we proclaiming a God of love? Pastor Lauren said it last week to this group. I don't know about you, he said, but I am sick of playing church. You know what that means? You know, we aren't just about running this organization. We're about the proclamation of the good news that death has been defeated. We are not just about a building despite how beautiful it is. We're not just about fine programming, activities for our tweens. We are more than so-so preaching. I'll say it. Um, But (laughs) we're also not about incredible musicians. We're witnesses to the resurrection of the dead. We're We're witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ given to us from God on high, witnesses to a promise that is unfolding before our very eyes. We are witnessing to a God that means to save the whole world. And we're part of it. We are a part of that rescue mission. We are welcome. We sing a song, right? Amazing Grace. Y'all know Amazing Grace, right? It's not called so-so grace. It's not called mediocre, pretty good grace. It's amazing grace. It knows no bounds. It's boundless. It's love. All are welcome and all means all. We are part of a tradition and witnessing that says, not just in saying, but in our showing, we are people of love and life and that will win. Beautiful. So the question is, how are we doing that? This season, we're going to begin on Next week, next weekend, but also Ash Wednesday, this weekend, this Wednesday. What better way to say I love you than you're going to be dust? Um, Ash Wednesday on Valentine's Day. I'm sorry, I had to make that joke. We're starting this journey of 40 days of Lent as we prepare for Holy Week, where the tomb will be emptied, it'll be filled, and then it'll be empty again. We'll enter into the cycle again of Pentecost, but this year, Are we ready as a congregation to make a shift? Are we prepared to hear the story with ears, not just a story that comforts us? Are we listening to the good news that will cause a shift in us, in all of us? Lutherans aren't known for their proselytizing, conversions. And you know what? I think it's biblically all right. I get it. Jesus didn't say, go, convince everybody of what I said. He said, go tell the story. That's our job, to tell the story. Witness to the gospel, not just in words, or, but sometimes in our ways, in our works too. Brothers and sisters, how are we going to witness to the good news that death has been defeated, that resurrection is a promise? How are we going to witness to that? And if you don't know, I have no shade to offer. There is no judgment, nothing but encouragement. Because this year, 
We have small groups that are about making that shift. If you haven't joined a Lenten small group, I encourage you to. If you're wondering, how can I move from a passive faith to a passionate faith, join a small group. Join the community. Join a group. That's what the shift is about. Because we all need to make a shift. All of us, myself included. Christ died so that we might be set free from death. We might be set free from our own tombs. This expression of faith on Kenwood Road is about new life. This expression on Kenwood Road is about growing. Always will be. Growing in faith. Growing in our articulations, our proclamations, spreading the good news in all the ways we can so that all might see, so that all, and all means all, all have life have it abundantly. So brothers and sisters, let's wake up. Let's wake up. Let's witness to the things we have seen and experienced and share that good news. Amen.